Today, church, we're going to be uh, uh, continuing in our sermon series we've been talking about this whole month of November. We're talking about being blessed and what it means to be blessed by our Heavenly Father. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, it tells us this. It says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord, have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that run deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Today, church, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, blessed to be a blessing. Now, a lot of times we, we have a hard time understanding what this means, but church, every single one of us, we are blessed to be a blessing. And, and I ask you this question today. I asked myself this question this past week, and it really made my mind start to spin a little bit. How much do we need to be happy? Whatever it might be, it, it, it could be finances, it could be Oreos. I mean, whatever it is in your life, what, how much of it do you need to be happy? I learned for myself personally, it's always a little bit more, right? No matter how much you have, you, you know, you're like, I'd be, I'd be content if I had this much. And then all of a sudden you get that much and you're like, man, I just need a little bit more of that. Whatever it is, very rarely do any of us say that we have way more than enough. I really don't hear too many people say, man, I got way more than enough of everything. We just don't do that, do we? So how many of us think... Today, that you have enough food for today, and you got enough food for tomorrow. You probably got enough to last you a month, maybe. How many of you at least own three outfits? Some of you got about 3,000, I'm sure. Church, we have more than enough, and if you get anything out of today's sermon, I'm, seriously, if you don't get anything else but this, I want you to understand this. God is our provider, he really is. God is our provider. Everything that you have is because of him. And when we recognize this, church, when we recognize this, when we understand this, when we believe it, when we embrace it, then you will be understand, you will be able to understand what it means to be blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed us, church, all of us, to be a blessing. If you look with me in Acts chapter 20, I want to jump right into there this morning. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it says this. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself when he said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now that phrase right there, that part of that verse, that can cause you to struggle, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And church, I believe some of us don't believe that. I really do. I believe some of us doesn't believe this. And, and all of a sudden you're sitting there, you're going like, man, the preacher's going to start talking about giving today. He's going to be talking about money. Maybe you're sitting there going like, man, I wish I would have stayed home because I don't want to hear it. If you're visiting with us for the first time, I promise you we do not talk about money every week. So if you're going to get up and leave right now, it's going to be obvious on your part. I want you to know that. <clears throat> but see, the fact is this. If you believe in Acts chapter 20, what I just read to you, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I could do a million things right now. I promise you I could. I'm going to be good today. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, if you believe that, where it says it is more blessed 
to give than it is to receive, then you would be sitting there right now going, this is great, man. I'm excited. The preacher's going to be talking about it. I love giving. This is a joy of my life. But you know what, church? You probably aren't. <laughs> For me personally, I'm a guy that knows about selfishness. I'm not saying because I'm the preacher and I'm looking at all you guys. I'm talking about myself personally. I really and truly, I know about selfishness. I grew up believing I could never have enough, and it had nothing to do with my parents. They were very generous people, but I, I believed that I could never have enough, and it was my issue. It wasn't theirs. It was mine. Because you know what? I was the guy, I, I was the guy in my life who, who and, and let me think about it. I was the guy who would never truly acknowledge it properly. I was acknowledging that God was giving me things. But you know what, church? I found security. I found hope in things. I did. For a large portion of my life, I found security and hope in things, in, in my money, in my 401K. That's where I found security I wasn't the guy who was giving God all the glory, who was acknowledging all that he has done, that he is my provider, that he is the one that's doing these things. And believe me, church, I really did. I had more than enough in my life. But after some devastating financial situations in my life, I recognized really fast that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I'm serious when I say that to you. So I want to show you today what it can be for you. I want to show you today what it can be for me when, when what happens when you're a blessing. And, and what I'm going to read to you today, I hope this verse will speak to you like, like it does me. See, in 2 Corinthians, if you want to just flip over there real fast, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, See, Paul was talking to a group of people who, who were poor. I mean, they did not have a lot of cash. They didn't have a lot of things, but yet they gave big. They were the kind of people that's like, hey, I'll give you my last dime if you know what I'm talking about. That's who these people were. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 and 14, it goes like this. Because of the service of which you have provided yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Church, how many of you, when is the last time someone saw you? I mean, you're walking down the street, you're in the store, whatever, and they go, oh man, look, there he is. There she is. You know what? This person, I praise God in heaven because this person is so generous. You know, did you hear what they did? Do you understand how, how, how they give and they gave of their time and, and, and they gave of their resources? So you know what? We worship God because of your generosity today. Probably not. See, in that verse that I just read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, here's what's going on here. Paul is emphasizing the spiritual rewards. He's emphasizing the spiritual rewards for those who give generously to God's work. And church, today I want to tell you, you indeed are blessed. If you haven't noticed it in a while, if you haven't recognized you, you have what you have and you, and you have probably more than what you need, you have more than enough if your perspective is right, that you're blessed to be a blessing. You really are. You are blessed to bless other people. 
Today I want to share with you three big blessing mistakes. The first one is this. Here's what a lot of people do. Some of us simply ignore the blessings of God. You just kind of ignore it. You just brush over it like, whoop, yep, I, no, I don't want to talk about it, right? We, we brush over that, that you're very blessed, but maybe you're that type that's always whining. You're very blessed, but you're always complaining about what you don't have. Somebody else gets a brand new car and you say, yeah, I got this old clunker over here. What about me? Right? Someone is blessed beyond belief and you have a hard time with it, you know, because maybe somebody else got something you didn't. Maybe, church, you've got three air conditioner units in your house because it's so big. One of them goes down. So now you can't use your fifth bedroom for your scrapbooking that you like to do. And so all you're doing is complaining. Maybe that's your life. See, some people ignore the blessings of God. And so the second thing is, and this is kind of me, I learned this. Instead of ignoring what you do is you apologize for God's blessings. How many of you have ever done that? You apologize for, for God's blessings. It's almost like you're embarrassed about them, right? You know what I'm talking about? You're, you're embarrassed about how God is blessing you. You know, church, God can bless you financially. Yes, he's the one who, who gives out blessings. And these blessings come from God. But there are a lot of people who, who are embarrassed by that. You know, if someone says, hey, you got a really nice home, you're kind of embarrassed. You go, oh, yeah, well, we got a really good deal on it. Or, or someone looks at you and goes, man, that, that's, that's a nice shirt. I love your shirt. You're, oh, yeah, yeah, JCPenney's 50% off. <laughs> right? You're, you're, you're kind of embarrassed about the blessings that God has given you. You're embarrassed about it. I've had some people say to me before, like, man, you and Mary got an amazing relationship. You got a great marriage. And this is weird, but church, I was embarrassed. I'm like, oh, no, we fight all the time. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm just telling you how it made me feel. We don't fight all the time. Sometimes. <laughs> but you know what, church? Instead of saying thank you, instead of saying thank you and recognizing God's blessings in your life, you try to explain those blessings away. You're embarrassed about the blessings that God has given you. And the third thing is this, the third mistakes with your blessings that you have is this, you hoard the blessings of God. You're a hoarder. You're hoarding those blessings from God. Studies have shown that people who have less, they give more proportionally than people who have a lot. They give more proportionally. And tragically, the more people have, it's been proven, the smaller the percentage that they give. And I believe that God kind of looks down on us in that situation, and it's kind of like God's going, man, what are you thinking? You're missing the point here. You're missing the point. Do you think it's all for you? Do you think that everything I gave is everything is just for you? Listen, God has no problems with you enjoying some of what he gives you. He doesn't have a problem with that. But it brings him great delight when you don't act like you own it all. It, it, it delights your heavenly father. Church, I believe he even looks at us and says, man, you got way more than what you need. I've given you way more than what you need. And church, so we are blessed to be a blessing. So I want to talk a little bit about this today. I want to unpack this even a little bit further. See, this is the truth. 
I want to give you a few concepts today. The first thing is this. Tithing is not giving. Please understand what I'm saying to you this morning. Tithing is not giving. Some will say they're generous. I've heard people say, I'm very generous. I give my tithe every week. <laughs> tithing is not giving. Actually, it's not being real generous at all. See, because what you're doing is you're returning to God what is already God's. You're giving it back to him. You're returning it to him. It's already his, and you're just saying you're giving it back. So what is the tithe? You might be sitting there saying, preacher, I never heard that phrase before. Guess what? In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. The Bible tells us that it's holy. The word tithe in Hebrew, it means a tenth. So he's saying a tenth of everything in the land, a tenth of what you have. So you're sitting here today and you're going, oh, I'm off the hook. I ain't no farmer. I ain't got no grain or no fruit. I ain't got to do nothing. That ain't the, the farmers are the ones that have to do it. That is not what God is saying. God is telling us it's a tenth of what he has given you. It all belongs to God. He says, bring the tithe into the storehouse because it's already his. It's already his. I'm going to call this Confession Sunday for you this morning. <laughs> I'm going to confess something. My mom doesn't know about this story. I always tell stories about this. My mom's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> she doesn't know this, okay? So um, when I was a teenager, probably preteen maybe even, she would bring us down here to youth group every Wednesday night. Loved youth group. It was great. My mom would give us each some money to give into the offering that they collected at youth group back then. And so my mom would give us the money. She'd drop us right off in front of the church here on Main Street. And I would stand on the steps, and I'd watch my mom's taillights go around the corner. And I would bust my rear end up Main Street to Russell's Mini Mart. I'd take my dollar, and I'd buy now and laters with them. Because I wanted them now, and I could have some for later, too. There was a lot of them. You get a lot for a dollar back then, right? And so I would buy these now and laters, and, and, and I'm supposed to be in church. My money was to give to the offering. And so I'm sitting, I'm walking back real slow, because my mom did teach me this, too. You never run with stuff in your mouth. You could choke. So I'm walking back. I was almost always late for youth group. And I'd sit down, and I felt zero guilt. Zero. You know, I told you it's Confession Sunday. But you know what? I took, as I sat down in youth group, I sat there eating a mouthful of stolen candy. I gave Russell many my dollar, but I stole that from God. That was a mouthful of stolen candy. I would take what was God's and I would use it for me. Now, you might think that's bad, but church, you realize this. When we don't tithe, what we do is kind of we do the same thing. We are not giving God what is already his. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says this, in tithes and offerings. He's saying, that's mine. Tithing is biblical, church. You know what? I love I don't love it, but it, it, it intrigues me. 
A lot of times as Christians, you won't want to do, we want to take the Bible and we want to use it as a la carte. Remember a la carte in the lunch line at school? You don't want that corn, man, but I'll take the, I'll take the, you know, the pizza and the chips. I'll take that. We love to do a la carte with God's word, right? Like, I believe that. Oh, yeah, I love that. Oh, I don't like that because you know what? It hits me in my heart. God's word is not a la carte. Tithing is biblical. Jesus himself recognized the tithe in Luke. Church, it's holy. The tithe is holy. It's an act of worship. The tithe belongs to God. It is his. It is not giving. It's giving for beginners. It's baseline, but it's returning to God what is his. And he goes on to say, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. That is where, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That church right there, he said, test me in this. I'm pretty sure. I've never seen it anywhere else in the Bible. I've seen elsewhere in the Bible where he says, do not test the Lord your God. But in this instance, he says, go ahead. You don't believe me? Test me. You don't believe I'll do that for you? Go ahead, try it. How many of you have a child in your family that loves to test you? You know what I'm talking about? We ain't going to name no names. I have one who was a tester and one that wasn't. Because the one who was the tester, he, he would go, I said, go ahead, test me, man. Go ahead, do it. I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. Go ahead, test me. He'd do it. And I would give him what I told him I was going to give him. So I had a tester, and the one who wasn't a tester, he saw the tester, the promises being kept to him. You do it, you will reap the rewards of what you're doing. And so he never wanted to test. But church, how many of we, of us, do we not understand what God is saying when he's saying this? He says, test me in this. Church, there are three ways that you're blessed to be a blessing. There's three ways that you and I are blessed to be a blessing. And the first one is this. We are blessed to give joyfully. You and I, we are blessed to give joyfully. We are blessed to give with an overwhelming, an overwhelming sense of joy. Second Corinthians chapter 9, if, if you'll look at this with me. Verses 6 and 7 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's a very simple concept. God is saying that if you give sparingly, that's what you're going to get back. But if you sow generously, I'm going to bless you. Now, church, that blessing doesn't always come down in money. A lot of times we're always looking, okay, I'm going to do it. This is not a give to get kind of scheme. You ever hear that from a preacher, man? You better run far from that dude. It is not a give to get. Your blessings can come in so many different ways and shapes. But it says, church, it says that we're to give generously. And then verse 7 goes on to say this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. This word in Greek is translated as hilariously. Cheerful is hilariously. You know what I mean? Like, woo, I get to give today. That you're excited about it. You're laughing about it. It's amazing to you. It gives you great joy. There's a difference, church. 
between a cheerful giver and someone who begrudgingly gives. If I wrapped up a present for you and I go up to you and go, hey, here's a present, take it. I don't want, I don't want your present. You got an attitude, dude, right? You got an attitude with me. Why would I want to take your present? Some of you take it anyway and say, you're an idiot and you'd still take the present, wouldn't you? But you know what? God loves a cheerful giver. And see, there's a difference between maturity and immaturity. There's a big difference in that, right? Mature, immature people want to receive. They only want to receive. I'll take all I can get. You keep it coming. I'm immature. I'll take it all. I'll take everything you have. Immature. Now, a mature giver, mature people in the Lord, see, they love to give. They love to give. It blesses them mightily. You know, when you were a child, of course, you were immature as a child. And what was Christmas all about for you? Ha! All about me, right? When you're a child, it's all about me. Your parents, man, in old school days, they hand you that catalog and they give you a pencil. Boom, you circled everything in there. I mean, every page had 50 circles on and the catalog was that thick. And you give it to your parents, I want all that. <laughs> but Christmas was all about you. It was about my toys. It's about what am I going to get? What are you going to give me? And then you go to bed. You just think, about, what am I going to get? You ever notice something at Christmas time? Every child, when you put them to bed, they develop a bladder problem. <laughs> Five, six times in the night, I got to go to the bathroom. Right? It's because they want to come out and see, what am I getting? What are you going to give me? What is it going to be for me today? They had to see what they're getting. And, but as a more mature adult, as we grow up, it typically becomes about giving. You're excited to give to your child. You're excited to give to other people. It's more fun to give. And so the second point I want to give you today is we are blessed to give extravagantly, church. We really are. We are blessed to give extravagantly. I'm talking about like every once in a while, you're giving away that kind of blows your mind, maybe even blows somebody else's mind. Some people will tell you that's irresponsible, stupid, generous maybe. But you know what? That is what one woman in the scripture did. The story goes along in Mark chapter 14. Most likely this woman was a prostitute. It doesn't say for sure, but she was forgiven by Jesus. She was forgiven by Jesus, and when, when she was in his presence, she lost all control. This girl lost all control, and she go, gave him the most irresponsibly, generously, generous gift that you could possibly imagine. Mark chapter 14, if you want to turn there with me, and you're going to see this. Mark chapter 14, verse 3, it says this. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume she made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume over his head. I'm not sure what nard is. It sounds nasty to me, but it was valuable. It wasn't the cheap stuff. Wasn't that Brute 77 or that Joe Vaughn Musk or anything like that, okay? It was expensive. And in Mark 14, verses 4 through 6, it says this, And some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and given the money to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. 
See, Jesus was like, you dudes missed the point here. This woman wanted to extravagantly give to me. She wanted to honor me. She wanted to worship me in that way. And see, this is the way, church, that God has given to us. God has given to us in the same way. God has blessed you, church. He has blessed you to give joyfully. He's blessed you to give extravagantly. And the third way he has blessed you is this. We are blessed to give sacrificially. Blessed to give sacrificially. To give in such a way that you're not giving out of what's left over. You know, after you got the things that you want, after you, you, you took care of your pleasures and your needs, then you finally say, okay, God, what I got left here, I got a, I got a wrapper and a dollar bill in my pocket. I'm going to give that to you, Lord. And sometimes that's what we do. But instead, we are giving out of what is wanted or something that you needed. Kind of like when you give it away, you feel it. You know what I'm talking about? It hurts a little bit. I'm talking about that it costs you something, church. It costs you something. This is the way, and the Bible gives us another story, a poor little widow gave in the scripture. It's a beautiful story. It really is. It's a beautiful story. This little widow, she had nothing to live on. We talked last week about what happened to widows, right? They were usually left destitute. She had really nothing to live on, and she walks into church. I just picture this little old lady walking into church. She pulls out that little change purse that you, you I ain't going to say you old ladies have. <laughs> Open this little change purse. She pulled out this penny, and she dropped it in the plate. And it rolled in there, and it made a noise. And then when the people of the church saw this, they're like, What? What is up with that? That's absolutely ridiculous. What, what, that won't do anything, you stupid woman. And Jesus is, like a lot of us, paying attention. And Jesus was telling these dudes, you missed the beauty of this moment. Mark chapter 12 Verses 43 and 44, he said, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all that she had to live on. And so church, if I want to bring this up to our times right now, if I want you to understand it in concepts that we've got going on, she emptied out her mattress. For those of you who keep money under your mattress at home, don't know why, but if you do that means she took all of it out of her mattress you know she broke her piggy bank and gave every single penny that she had she got into her 401k she emptied it and she gave it to God and that church is things that we understand now I'm not telling every one of you guys to go home and empty out what you have God tells you to you better do it <laughs> but what I'm telling you is God calls us to give in a way sometimes that you feel it because you know what? What you're saying to him is like, I trust you, God. You know, I, 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 I think I need this for something else, but you know, I trust you. But you know what, church? We don't like to give that way. Sometimes we just give what's easy, don't we? We, give what, we like to give only what is easier because I don't want to feel it. I don't want to hurt. You know, I've worked too hard. I've said that a million times. i worked too hard for what I got. So much so, we don't even give God what is his. You know what, church? Even in the church today, this applies. 
I'm talking about the church. I believe that God will bless his church when we are generous with what he has given us. I want to give you a quick history timeline. If you don't mind, just bear with me. You know, several years back, probably about 20 years ago, this church was in rapid decline. I'm telling you, it was in rapid decline. But you know what we had, church? We had a savings account. This church owned stocks. Someone left stocks to us. We had stocks and we had a savings account. And you know what? We had all those things. We didn't really pay the preacher a living, if you know what I'm talking about. He was skimping. He was scraping. And suddenly one day the elders came to the church. They recognized, like, we aren't doing it right. And they said, we have to step out in faith. We have to step out in faith. So they, they cashed the stocks in. They, they, they started spending some of the money that they were what if in. You know what I'm talking about? A lot of us do that. They paid a brand new preacher because we didn't have one. A brand new preacher, a very decent wage. They fixed up God's church. And guess what? The church began to be blessed. Because our faith was bigger than our checkbook. Our faith was bigger than our checkbook. So they stepped out and God blessed it. Many years later, we stepped out again. We didn't have any full-time youth ministry, anything in the church. So we hired two positions, a K through six, a seven through 12. We, we hired these positions and, and we, we stepped out in faith. And guess what? The church was blessed. We, we instantly Got rapid growth in the church. And then suddenly we needed more space for ministry. The opportunity came up for us to purchase this building. And I'll tell you what, it was a big step of faith. For those of you who weren't here on the ground level, man, this, this was rough in here. Very rough. But we stepped out in faith. We had the opportunity to purchase the center here. We did. We stepped out, and God blessed it. You know what? He gave us 1% financing. You never hear of 1% financing on anything. He gave us 1% financing, which, by the way, we paid off almost two and a half years early because of God's faithfulness. We suddenly found out after we purchased it, the state was maybe going to make us put sprinkling systems in this whole thing in case there was a fire inside of a cement building. It would have cost us more than what we paid for the building. God gave us favor. The state gave us a grandfather clause on this building. We also had 30 windows that were busted out in this building. Those were paid for in one week. You know what? When we got down in the basement where the boiler was at, suddenly we looked down there. We realized there wasn't even a gas line coming to this building. They removed it years before. And, and when we called the gas company, they said it would be tens of thousands of dollars to do that. We prayed about it. You know what? They supplied and paid to bring the gas line into this building. Church, listen to me. Now we have this building. Lighthouse Kids is thriving. We went from one room to four rooms. We've got youth groups that are thriving. And God has blessed us, his church, to be a blessing. He's blessed us to be a blessing. The moment the church starts relying on their checkbook, the moment the church stops blessing people because we've got to watch those things, but yet we're wasting money in other areas, I want you to know God will remove that blessing. And not just in the church, for us as well. I want you to feel it this morning, church. I want you to think about you. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about how you personally love to give. 
Maybe, maybe in ways that you can give differently. I'm not saying, you know what, you substitute your tithe with works. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible makes it clear about the tithe. Maybe, church, this morning you'd like to give to people who are in need. Maybe this morning you'd like to give to people anonymously. Maybe you'd like to give to strangers. Maybe you'd like to give of your time. I want to ask you this morning, how do you personally love to give? Some of you like to give money because you got money. That's great. It brings you great joy. Some of you don't have a lot of money past your tithe to give, so you give of your time. And when we give of our time, because we are all busy, aren't we, church? It comes down to a sacrifice. We have to sacrifice. I want to remind you this morning. I want to remind you this morning that God is your provider, church. God is your provider. Everything that you have comes from him. And I don't care I don't care what your W-2 says at the end of the year. I believe with all my heart, all of us have more than enough. And so as I ask the praise team to come up here this morning, and we get ready to wrap this sermon up, I want you to know it does break the heart of God. It breaks his heart when we don't give joyfully, when we begrudgingly give you know, if you're asking questions, all right, is the tithe before tax or after? Is that net or gross? You, you're missing it, man. Your mind's not in the right place. When we don't give joyfully, it breaks his heart. When we don't give extravagantly, it breaks his heart. When we don't give sacrificially, it breaks his heart. You know why, church? Because he has given us so much. He's given us so much. My prayer today is that may we become a church so full of Christ followers. So radically generous that people look at us and they praise God in heaven because we've been a blessing to so many. This morning, my prayer is that God will change our hearts. Some of you are sitting here today and, and you're going to say, you know what? I need to be more generous than you pray about that. For those of you who are like I was, selfish in nature, you pray, may God help me to become more generous. But as we close out this service today, I want to tell you about the most generous one who has ever, ever lived. We may give a little time we may give a little talent. We may give a little bit of our treasure. But I can tell you this morning, church, I would never give any of my kids up for any one of you guys. Being honest. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sacrifice one of my three boys for any of you. But your Heavenly Father did. He did. That's exactly what he did because God so loved the world, the Bible tells us that he gave his one and only son and Jesus Christ, the son of God. I'm talking about the son of God. He was without sin. Church, the Bible says he was holy and perfect. He died on the cross. He gave his life, shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven so that we could be changed. So this morning, some of you need that change today. 
I'm talking about you need to become one of his. Church, no matter what you have done, no matter what, how bad you have been, no matter how far from God you feel right here at this moment, I want you to know all your sins can be forgiven. Every single one. We make it so hard though, church, don't we? Well, I gotta get to another level. This ain't a video game. He will take you right where you're at. No matter how far away you are, he comes to you right where you're at. You could be at the bottom of the barrel right now. He will come to you. The Bible tells us when we call upon his name. So as you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, you will be forgiven. So let me tell you how this will work this morning, church. Maybe you want that gift that he has for all of us. And all you have to do is you literally get up. You walk down here. You don't have to understand everything that God's word says right now. All you have to understand is this. I need a savior because I can't live like this any longer. I need a savior because I want to secure my place in heaven. I need a savior because my life is a disaster. So if that's for you, I want to encourage you. You come down front. Kim will be down here. The elders will be down here. They'll pray with you. But for the rest of us church, the rest of us believers, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to understand what it is that God has for us, what God has in mind for you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. What he wants you to do is he wants you to go out and tell that you share what you have. I'm talking about your time. You're like, preacher, I don't have any time. Then guess what? You're probably spending it poorly. He wants your time. He wants your talent. You have gifts, church. He wants you to use those gifts to spread the gospel. And he wants your treasure too. So this morning, if any one of you have heard anything I've said, please don't make this sermon just all about money. I'm talking about conditions of our hearts. God cares about your heart more than your money. Guess what? He owns it all anyways. He cares about your heart and the attitude that you have. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing, but I want to encourage you to respond this morning.